Well, greetings, brethren, and welcome to Line Upon Line. We are up to Isaiah chapter 14, and appreciate the confirmation that I am coming through clearly. Uh, we'll open with a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll get right into Isaiah 14. Our Heavenly Father, we, we come before you to praise you and thank you, and Father, we hunger and thirst for your righteousness, and we know, Father, that your wisdom and your guidance is in the scriptures. We, we humbly come before you and, and before the ancient teachers and the ancient scriptures to do our best, Father, to understand your will and to understand your insights and guidance for us, especially as we see that it is this generation most likely upon whom the ends of the age have come. And we want to be ready, Father, to usher in the return and the appearance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we also want to take a time this time to acknowledge you for healing our brother Murray and his children. And, and we thank you, God, for the encouraging news that we are getting regarding his wife, Lisa. Uh, we do appeal to you, Father, for your healing mercies. That from heaven, Father, as you see the doctors doing all that they can, that from heaven, Father, you would look down and just see her, just see uh, just the, the incredible contributions that she has made to our congregation and the church at large, and her and her husband, and that you would bless them, Father, with this healing mercy. We, we praise you. We look to you, Father. We thank you. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And yeah, just a reminder, brethren, that our sister Lisa, Murray's wife, is, is gravely ill. Uh, we are getting some encouraging news, and so we would really deeply appreciate your continued prayers with regard to her health and, and the health of the family, the well-being of the family. So, brethren, we are up to Isaiah uh, 14, and I'll just go ahead and share my screen. And what we want to, what I want to do here is I'm going to read from the complete Jewish Bible. I think there's just some, some passages here, or at least one passage, that's quite familiar to us. And what I found when I was reading it again, when I read it in context, it, it just sort of jumped out to me that it has a kind of a nuanced meaning that we completely miss when we just dive in, grab the scripture that we enjoy, and, uh, and just go ahead and start using it. Now, let me just see what I can do about this background. I don't want that. There we go. So um, I'll read from the complete Jewish scripture, uh, the complete Jewish Bible, but I'll leave the King James open uh, just in case I need to go back to the more familiar wording. So just a quick reminder from Isaiah 13. He says here, I will punish the world. This is, this is what we covered last week. And so this is the, the destruction of Babylon. But God, this is God speaking. This is Christ. And this is the Christ whom is going to appear. This is the Christ whom we look for. And not this um, false hippie with sandals that just loves everybody and tolerates everything that unfortunately has even crept into our church. Christ is coming with judgment. And he says here, and, and God's justice. And he says here, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. What kind of justice are you looking for? Are, are you looking for the justice of Torah, the justice of Christ? Or have, have we been seduced to look for a justice that, that justifies wicked men, sons of Belial, and, and wants to create saints out of them and have an anniversary? Uh, or, or are we looking for the justice of Christ when he returns? And, and he is angry, he is full of wrath. And he says, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And so clearly the whole world has gone after Babylon. 
and God is going to bring down Babylon and the world. I will end the arrogance of the proud, and I will humble the insolence of tyrants. And so as Isaiah opened, what we came to learn was that the fundamental problem, that God has, has brought up children, he has nourished them and raised them and cared for them, and they rebelled against him. And, and the, the rebellion is extreme. And the root of the rebellion was pride or is pride. And so God then, and, and because of that pride, they do not trust in their God who is, who is committed to them in a covenant commitment, but they'd rather turn to the, the pagan nations and idolatry. And so we saw that the root of their problem was pride. So then God is going to raise up pagan nations, that even the ones they turn to thinking they're, they're allies, and he's going to crush his own people with these pagan nations. And then we learn that the root of the problem with these pagan nations is, is pride. Human pride is the root of it, because that, that is the root sin of the devil, pride. So we see here this, this pride is what God is going to be addressing. And then in verse uh, 19 of Isaiah 13, thus Babel, Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the pride and the glory of the Chaldeans will be like Sodom and Gomorrah when overthrown by God. So this is spectacular. This is this um, glorious kingdom, and this has dual application. So there was a Babylon of Isaiah's time, which the whole nation was really worried about Assyria. And, and uh, uh, Assyria was the northern tribe's problem. Uh, Isaiah made it clear, Judah, you don't have to worry about Assyria. Assyria will not take over Jerusalem. Instead, you should be worried about a nascent kingdom called Babylon, this Neo-Babylon, and it's going to rise up, and that's what you need to be concerned about. But if you turn to God, you, you don't have to worry about Assyria or Babylon. So this is an ancient Babylon or a Neo-Babylon, and then there's an end-time Babylon. So clearly this, the, the language of Isaiah tells us this is all pointing to the end time. So these, these conditions are a pattern that would e emerge in Isaiah's day but would also emerge at the return of Christ. And that's clear from the language, and we'll see as we go on. And then in verse 20, he's speaking of Babylon. He says, it will never again be inhabited. And this clearly is pointing to an end-time uh, prophecy of Babylon because, yeah, Babylon is still inhabited. That part of the world where we, which we call Iraq today, it, it's inhabited. However, this is pointing end-time as well. It will never again be inhabited. Never, never lived in through all generations. So really, there are two systems in the world today. And the system that has the most influence over the whole world, the whole world is um, patterning itself after this system, is the system we call Babylon. And so from the uh, Genesis uh, 10 and 11, where we see the emergence of this ancient original uh, Babylon, that that system that was put in place, and then God had to interrupt it, and the people spread throughout all the world, and took that system with them as the foundation of all their civilizations. So the whole world is patterned after this system we call Babylon. But there's another system as well, which we call Zion. And, and there is like, Satan is trying to be like God. The, eventually, the whole world will be patterned after Zion. And people from all over the world will travel to Zion to, to better understand the pattern and then take that back to their countries and to their cities and their, their nations. But today, 
it's a mad race to see who can be the most Babylonish, if I could use that term. Uh, but God is saying, you know what? The day is coming that I'm going to bring down this system and this nation, and it will never be inhabited again. So that's coming. And he says, it will never again be inhabited, never lived in through all generations. And now listen to this clue. As we are dealing with end-time prophecy, and we are trying to understand who or what is the beast in the end time. And, and my contention is I do not accept that the beast is European, uh, unless it's an Islamic, you're taking a Europe that's been overtaken by Islam. Uh, but my contention from reading the scriptures and, and trying to do, read it line by line is that the neighbors of Judah, the, the beast is going to emerge from the neighbors of Judah with an ideological obsession to destroy Judah. And so when, when God is announcing now in the end time that this Babylon will never be inhabited again, it will be never lived in through all generations, that this is the end. He then, to underline his point, he inspires Isaiah to write, Arabs will not pinch, pitch tents there, nor shepherds bring their flocks. So clearly there, this pride of Babylon and this, this, this desire to inhabit and build the glory of Babylon clearly, if not directly originating and generating from Arabs, clearly Arabs are deeply involved in this system. And today we know you say Arab, you see Islam. Muhammad did a job of completely uniting, conquering and uniting all of the Arab nations. And earlier we talked about the Egyptian tongue will be destroyed. Well, we know that the Egyptian tongue is Arabic. So there's something very clear. The scriptures are not mixing there's no, there's no confusion here there's something very clear arabs are associated with the glory and the pride of babylon that they have an ideology that gives them a sense of complete conquest and complete pride and, and unstoppability and glory and 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 just self-aggrandizement and god is saying i'm bringing that down this is over he says now for Yehovah, and this is now coming into Isaiah 14, verse 1, uh, the Jews will say Adonai when the name is Yehovah. Uh, they have a kind of superstition around his name. For Yehovah will have compassion upon Yaakov. So he will have compassion on Jacob. Okay, this is the plot line. Now we understand. The Arabs will be destroyed. Why? Because God will have compassion on Jacob the tribes of Jacob. So we're seeing now, especially with this new administration, a complete betrayal of Israel, the nation we call Judah today, and a, and a plot to destroy, or uh, at least cooperation, to destroy the nations of Jacob, to bring them down, and to give the supremacy to Gentile nations, and, and to destroy, the, the only way you can destroy nations of this caliber is from within. So open the borders, open up the government, let, every, let all the anti-American, anti-Canadian, anti-Western, anti-Christian, anti-Christ, let them all in so that we can destroy Jacob from within. But God is saying, and specifically Isaiah is focused on Judah and Jerusalem and the nations, the enemies that surround her, God is saying, I'm, I, I personally will bring down Babylon. Why? Because I will have compassion on Jacob. 
and I will once again choose Israel and resettle them in their own land. So we're going to be watching over the next few years this whole controversy, and it's going to become global, over who does this land belong to. So you have right now the Palestinians who are squatting in, in, in parts of the promised land. that it, they, they didn't purchase it. They don't own it. They just squat there. And as a result, they claim it's their right. And then the Jews are saying, like, we've been here for 3,000 years. This land was given to us. We actually purchased it. Uh, we, we, this is our land. And we, we develop it when, when the Palestinians have it. They just let it rot and go to – there's no development When, when the Jews have it, they actually develop it, they make it wonderful, they make it productive. Uh, but there's now going to, we're going to witness this intense battle over who belongs in the land. And the whole world, according to scripture, is going to be in accord, in agreement, that the Jews must be taken out of that land. And this is why I warn us as well that we have to be careful about what Marxist movements we get behind because we are, getting, we are being set up to bring down the patriarchy. Well, the Bible is a patriarchal, patriarchal book. Bring down white patriarchy. Well, Israel is built upon white patriarchy. What are you saying when you say bring down white patriarchy? This is all symbolic language. That even though the early Christians, the majority of them were from Northern Africa and they were black, so Christian, Christianity, we didn't think about race originally. It was just the Middle, Middle Eastern religion. This is what spread throughout the Middle East. Fortunately, Paul took it to, to Europe as well, but then the, the Islamic, the Mohammedan hordes came out of Arabia and just conquered and destroyed and completely replaced the religion of Northern Africa and the Middle East. And so now the black religion is considered Islam and the white man's religion is considered Christianity. So when we say, or sorry, not we, when the Marxists say we must bring down white patriarchy, for those of us who are not in the know, who don't understand cultural Marxism and postmodernism, we get swept up in this. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I'm, I'm a transgender, a homosexual, lesbian, black, disabled, um, Hispanic, uh, young. I'm all these things that are interesting. I have massive intersectionality. And one thing, I, one thing I know for sure, we're against white patriarchy. Not understanding, this is symbolic language. And this is about bringing down, rooting out Christianity, the Judeo-Christian influence over Western civilization, which is what has made Western civilization great. The agenda is to root that out. And so as we get caught up in this intersectionality, what we don't understand is that we are being funneled into a camp that is going to be not only anti-Jewish, but anti-Christic and anti-Abraham. And it's clear. Anybody who curses the descendants of Abraham is cursed. And we just read, God is coming to destroy the earth. God is furious, and he's coming to, to absolutely shed blood and to specifically shed the blood of those who oppress his covenant people. So this administration in America is cursed. The administration in Canada is cursed. The administrations around the world, as they turn their back on the covenant people, are all under a massive curse. And this is not to say, as we read through Isaiah, that the covenant people are pretty people, that the covenant people smell nice, look nice, they're wonderful, they're, they're saints, they dress in white, and they do lovely things. It's not to say that at all. 
the Bible make Isaiah makes it clear these people are rotten to the core. Isaiah one tells we don't we don't have to go deep into Isaiah. We just have to read chapter one and see that these people are rotten to the core. The only thing is they are God's people. And God will use Gentiles to punish them, but then he's going to massively punish these Gentiles. The root of all of this is, is Torah. We can just use Deuteronomy 30 as our sort of fundamental text and just keep going back there. So, so nobody contradicts Moses. Everybody just amplifies Moses. So God will have compassion on Jacob. And he will once again, he's hiding himself from Israel right now. So they have to go through this intense tribulation. But he will once again reveal himself and he will choose Israel because he's in a forever covenant with them and he's going to resettle them in their own land. So don't get caught up in all of what's going on where foreigners will join them. So the foreigners will join them because they will acknowledge the only true God is the God of Jacob and they will humble themselves and repent. And, and these, these Gentiles have an opportunity to come in to the first fruits covenant. But even if they don't do that, they also will have this opportunity to be part of the fall harvest. But there's going to be a big, big difference between Gentiles who are part of the first fruits harvest and Gentiles who are part of the fall harvest. And they're going to attach themselves to the house of Yaakov or, or Jacob. And we see that in scripture that people all over the world are going to say, oh, there's a Jew. Let, let's, let's, let's take hold of one of, of his garment and let's follow him. He'll, he'll show us the way. So the Jews, as, as, as tormented as they are now, and, and they're going to be globally, they're going to have pride of place in the new world. So we have to be very clear that there's a new world coming of physical human beings. The first fruits is the first fruits. We're going to be spiritual beings. But the physical humans are going to look to physical Jews, and they're going to have pride of place, and physical Israelites. This is what this is saying. And so when we studied um, Second Isaiah, it was very clear there's an agenda that God is working here. These people are going to be terribly punished. God says um, through Daniel, this is a time of trouble coming on Jacob, the likes of which no nation, no tribe of people have ever seen. This is the extreme. They're in covenant, and there's, a, there's consequences to breaking the covenant. But then we saw this when we opened Second Isaiah. It opens Second Isaiah with comfort and keep comforting my people. So somebody has to get it. Somebody needs to understand the agenda. The, the, the counsel, the plan of God. What is he doing in the earth? There's so much confusion. There's so much chaos. The world just keeps un unraveling faster and faster. And it just seems to be descending into darkness. But somebody or somebodies have a light. And they understand what's going on and why. And with that understanding, they're able to preach the gospel in a very precise way to a very precise people. And God is saying, just keep comforting them. As much as they are under this intense curse, let them know, uh, Matthew 24, do not be deceived. I have not forsaken Jerusalem. Let them know God has not forsaken. God will again choose these covenant people. And then in verse 2, tell Jerusalem, just Jerusalem, to take heart. So even though she's being surrounded by military powers and everybody's abandoned her and, and she's just got nothing now except God. That's the whole point, to bring her to the point that she only has God and somebody is telling her this. So tell Jerusalem to take heart. Proclaim to her, this is a proclamation of good news, that she has completed her time of service. And, and really, the, the um, King James says that her warfare is accomplished, that, that you, you've been battling and, and bruised and destroyed. Okay, Isaiah 6, the abomination that makes desolate is set up. This now has an end.
and that her guilt has been paid off. This is the gospel. Somebody came, and as, as sinful and, and nasty and rotten and corrupt as you are, you have a Savior. I know, I know you hate your Savior. We've read what you've written in your Talmud. It's unspeakable. But that doesn't change that you're still his people. And if, we, if God has to drive you into intense and great tribulation to separate you from your nonsensical Talmud, Talmudic ideas, oh well, but you're still his people. And, and he's not a man that he just walks away from covenant. He is covenantly, covenantly bound to you. And you just have to come to your senses, Deuteronomy 30. So your, your guilt has been paid off by the suffering servant, and, and you at the same time have been cursed, and you've, you've, you've been whipped according to Deuteronomy. Uh, so you've received at the hand of Jehovah double for all your sins. This is, this is the covenant curse that you've come under. A voice cries out, clear a road through the desert for Jehovah. He's, your God is coming through the Arabian desert to, to redeem you from your enemies. Level a highway in the wilderness for our God. Let every valley be filled in. Let every mountain and hill be lowered. The bumpy places made level and the crags become a plain. Then the glory of Jehovah will be revealed. It's going to be revealed in the Middle East. The Bible is a book that is centered and focused on the Middle East and the land that God promised. And so the glory will be revealed. And all humankind, because they're all gathered there to take the Jews out of Jerusalem, to set up the abomination that makes desolate, and Jerusalem has become the focal point in all the cities of Judah. And there's this deep, uh, psychotic hatred for Jews all around the world. And they want to hunt them down, and we're seeing it emerging. Even though we said, after the Second World War, never again. Never again, never again. Oh, how short our memories are. And so all human beings uh, are, see, are, are involved in this. And God says he's coming to destroy all mankind. And a big part of their destruction or the, or the reason for them being cursed is what they're doing to the covenant people. And so, and so when this happens now, when God comes to redeem his people, and again, we're not clear that this is what God is doing when Christ returns to redeem his people, the Gentile nations will mourn, Revelation 1. The Gentile nations will mourn. It's not a happy day when Christ returns for the Gentiles. It is a glorious day for the Jews and for Israel and for the first fruits uh, Jewish people, the, 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 the spiritual Jews. So all humankind together will see it. So God wants to be glorified in Judah. He wants to be glorified in Israel, and he wants the Gentiles to see this. So when he returns, all humankind together will see it. For the mouth of Jehovah has spoken. And when God, this is, this is what makes God God. When this God speaks, nobody can reverse his counsel. Nobody can undo his plan. So this is, this is what has been spoken, and we understand it deeply. This is what we preach. In Isaiah 60, he says, Arise and shine, Jerusalem, for your light has come. So light is coming to Jerusalem, even though it's going to be the, the, the place of the greatest cursing in, in the years just ahead. Even though it's going to be a place of just deep sorrow. Isaiah says, Don't, that's not the whole story. Arise, shine Jerusalem, for your light has come. The glory of Jehovah has risen over you. The whole earth, is, the sun is going to be blacked out. The whole earth is going to be in darkness. 
And when Christ returns, he's bringing his glory to Jerusalem. We have to know this. We have to preach this. God is not coming to bring his glory over Toronto, to bring his glory over New York or Dallas or Pasadena or London or Johannesburg. As beautiful as these cities we think they are, when Christ returns, his focus, the focal point is Jerusalem. And he's coming to bring in a dark, dark, dark world. He's coming to bring glory over Jerusalem. And the whole world is going to see this and understand. It has risen over you. For although darkness covers the earth, here it is right here, although darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the peoples, the Gentile peoples, on you, Jehovah, this is Jesus Christ, will rise. Over you will be seen his glory. So the whole earth will see the glory of God and that it is specifically over this nation and these peoples that they have hated with a psychotic, murderous hatred. This is where God's glory is going to return. He says, nations will go toward your light. The, the way moths fly to light, he says this. Nations will go toward your light and kings toward your shining splendor. The same kings, mind you, that were issuing orders and, and commanding their armies to go and destroy every man, woman, and child that calls themselves a Jew and be ruthless with them. Now, when God shows his glory, these same kings do a quick reversal. And they now want to go to this light. They realize that they've been chasing vanity. Peoples will take and escort them to their homeland. So as these Jews are being driven by the Islamic agenda and the Marxist agenda, all over the world as slaves, and splitting up their families and sending them here and yonder to be under cruel slavery, now... People do, are doing a reversal. And it's like, look, how can we help? Let's help you get back to Jerusalem. We now recognize your God is God. We've done wrong. Uh, we will spend whatever money it takes to help you get back to your homeland. Peoples will take and escort them to their homeland, and the house of Israel will possess them in the land of Jehovah as male and female slaves. So and this, is, uh, this, this is Torah. This is exactly what Moses taught, that when they come to repentance, those people who were enslaved, well, first of all, you will be enslaved all over the world. You'll be scattered and taken out of the land. But once you come to your senses and repent, those people that enslaved you, you will enslave them. There'll be a complete reversal. And the curse, all these curses, these Deuteronomic curses that were coming upon you, they'll be reversed and they'll come upon your enemies. So they're now going to be slaves. They will take their captors captive and rule over their oppressors. This is, this is the good news. This is the gospel. Raise your eyes and look around. They are all assembling and coming to you. Look, look, look. These people who are destroying you, these people who actually destroyed your loved ones in the worst ways, and you're the remnant that survived. Wake up, arise, look around now. Look how everything has reversed when Jesus Christ returns. And they are assembling and they're coming to you. They now recognize you, physical human beings on the earth, as the special people. And so they're coming to you and your sons are coming from afar. And your daughters are being carried on their nurses' hips. Like they all recognize we have done wrong. Jesus Christ is on the earth. He is powerful. We see his glory. We've been chasing and following these kings. We, we are totally 
repentant of this. And we are now bringing all, we cannot, we were, we were, um, this was my slave. I'm some sort of weird uh, Mohammedan follower. And this is a young Jewish woman. I, only, I can't even say it. Some, some Mohammedan follower who's passionate about his, his doctrine has been raping this young Jewish girl for years and abusing her for years. And now God returns. And they are just completely reversed. And they are in such panic that they are now going overboard to return everything and to show their deep repentance. And these Jews who have been suffering and their families are who were there ever scattered, God is saying to them, wake up, look, arise, look around you. Look how everybody is assembling to you. And look how they're bringing back to you your, your loved ones. Foreigners will build your walls. So people who don't belong in the land, they're going to come and they're going to be your slaves. And they're going to help with this reconstruction of not just Jerusalem, but the cities of Judah. Their kings will be at your service. So imagine what their common folk will be like when the kings themselves, who were glorious in the earth, are going to bow down and serve you. He says, for in my anger I struck you. This goes to Matthew 24. Do not be deceived. Deceived about what? It's really, you have to read it with Matthew 23. Do not be deceived and think that I've, I, I've um, abandoned Jerusalem. And do not be deceived about my coming and how I'm going to redeem Jerusalem when I come. So this is all what it's all about. God is hiding himself from Israel for a time. In my anger, I struck you. And he says the Assyrian is the rod of his anger. But in my mercy, I pity you. Okay, because of the covenant. The children of your oppressors will come. So the people who are brutally, um, ruthlessly enslaving you, they will come and bow low before you. All do who despised you will fall at your feet, calling you the city of Jehovah. They will know the name Jehovah, and they will call Jerusalem the city of Jehovah, and they will acknowledge this is the true God. Whatever God they were worshiping, they, they realized this, we were deceived. This is the true God. And Zion, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. So now, now the world knows, and the, all the glory is on Jerusalem, there's no question. Back to Isaiah 14, verse 3. Then, when Jehovah gives you rest from your suffering and trouble and from the hard service imposed on you, you turned your back. Shall we open your scriptures? Shall we open your Talmud and see what you have to say about Christ? Shall we study your history? Do we need to examine your sins? This is why you were punished. And so somebody needs to understand this and explain it to them. And at the same time, you're not forsaken. You're being punished because the Father loves you. So now he will give you rest. So there's going to be this intense suffering followed by rest. And you will be under hard service. So says Moses. <clears throat> In fact, here he is now. Here's Moses now, Deuteronomy 30. What, so after reading them the blessings and the curses, he says... When the time arrives that all these things have come upon you, he just read, here are all the tremendous blessings, and then the curses are incredible. They're staggering. So when these tremendous blessings and these staggering curses, both of them mind, come upon you, both the blessing and the curse, which I have presented to you, so Moses already knew, you're going to get both. And you are there among the nations to which Adonai, or we should say Yehovah, your God, 
has driven you, then at last you will start thinking about what has happened to you. And again, if somebody is preaching the gospel and that they're teaching them Torah, Christians have abandoned uh, Torah, but what if, what if there's people who understand the Torah and can tie the apostolic writings to Torah and can tie all the prophecies to Torah and teach them, look, this is what Moses taught. And this is the present application of Moses' teaching. And here's what the prophets have to say about it. And here's what Christ had to say about it. And here's what the apostles had to say about it. And here's how it all ends with the apostle John's revel uh, the revelation given to John. The whole thing ties together neatly. It's undeniable. You have to repent. And then you will be glorified. So he says that God is going to drive them to these nations where they will be enslaved. Then, at last, you will start thinking about what has happened to you. And you will return to Jehovah, your God, and pay attention to what he has said, which will be exactly what I am ordering you to do today. So the future involves Torah. And so, again, how can Christians have any part of this if we've abandoned Torah? And, and we, we are embracing Marxist justice systems that are antithetical to Torah, that are antichristic. How can we have anything to do with this? We will be rejected and cursed. And we, we will truly be rejected and cursed because we're caught up with the wrong crowd who are cursing the sons of Abraham. So there's going to be a people who will be able to instruct these people through Torah. And, and it's exactly what I'm already, so there's like, we will open the Torah and say, here, 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 and here. Exactly what I'm ordering you to do today, you and your children, with all your heart and all your being. At that point, which is really now you're going to have to come through the great tribulation to get to that point, to get to the point in Isaiah 6. At that point, Yehovah, your God, will reverse your exile. He'll reverse your captivity. He'll reverse your slavery and show you mercy. This is, brethren, this is not talking about the church. These scriptures do not apply to God's people who have repented, that we've been baptized, we've received the Holy Spirit, we've been grafted into the body of Christ, we are being transformed, our minds are being conformed to Christ. These prophecies do not relate to us. And yet, the word of God cannot be negated. So there, there's somebody on the earth whom these prophecies apply to. And it's our job to preach to them and educate them in the scriptures. We're not just studying these scriptures so that we can get to heaven. Oh, not heaven, kingdom. So oh, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be in the kingdom. I'm going to be a king. I'm going to be a priest. Well, you're going to be useless if you're not on board with God's agenda. So he's going to reverse their exile and show them mercy. He will return and gather you from all the Gentile peoples to which Jehovah, your God, scattered you. So when Christ returns, he's going to send his angels to the four corners of the earth, and he's going to gather his people and bring them back to the promised land. He doesn't need to gather the church. The church has risen to join him and be with him forever. This is a physical happening on the earth. You will take up, so it's back to Isaiah um, 14 now. So it's all rooted in Torah. Isaiah 14 you will take up this taunt song against the Babylonian king. So now, having come through the tribulation, Judah can now celebrate, and not just celebrate, but actually taunt. 
they can actually now taunt this powerful king. At, this is a song they'll sing. At last, the oppressor has been stopped. At last. Three and a half intense years. But there's this buildup toward it. And we're seeing the world reconfiguring now. And, and like just this whole vaccination program and shutting down economies. You see this. There's global cooperation. Something that a decade ago we could have never imagined. That the entire planet, even nations that hate each other, can all cooperate behind the scenes. They can all agree to an agenda. Well, now we can understand how the mark of the beast is going to be enforced globally. We can actually see this global cooperation and, and, and dominance. And, and for anybody's all conspiracy, well, the Bible tells us Satan is a conspiracist. conspiracist. And the, 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 the evil people are truly conspiratorial. And only, only the naive are unwilling to accept that there is a conspiratorial design on the earth. But now finally, the Jew, the physical Jews will be able to sing this song. At last, the oppressor has been stopped. His arrogance, the pride, the same thing that they were suffering from, they've been afflicted by. This thing called human pride, which comes, the source of it is Satan, as we're about to see. Finally, the, the arrogance has ended. Yehovah, no one else could do this. They lost all the military power you see Israel has today. Again, that's the tribe of Judah. That's nothing. That's, that's going to be just worthless. And they will finally come to the point where the only rescue they have is in their God. Yehovah has broken the staff of the wicked. Remember, Assyria is the rod of his anger. And so even now we're talking about Babylon, we're going to see in the end time, there's a convergence between Assyria and Babylon. And it appears to me that Assyria will be the, the beast power and that Babylon will be under its control. And Nebuchadnezzar will have seen this because he was all about who controls Babylon. And so in the end time, the Assyrian controls Babylon. And so Assyria is the rod of his anger, and God is going to break that rod. He's going to use it, but then he's going to break it. The scepter of the rulers. And then here, but let's go back to Isaiah 10.5. O Assyrian, the rod expressing my anger. The club in their hands is my fury. So it is the Assyrian that is going to destroy God's people in the end time. But Babylon, the, 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 the system and the glory of Babylon will be under uh, this control. And this is the way, if you study the Islamic empires of the past, there were, there were always sort of the, the, the caliph who's over all the other empires. Isaiah 47 and verse 6, he says, I was angry with my people. These are my people. And I was angry. I, I, I hid from them. And I allowed the Gentiles to absolutely destroy them because they were so wicked. So I was angry with my people. I desecrated my own possession. And I gave them over to you. But you showed them no mercy. Again, their ideology, there's no place. From the river to the sea, Palestine, Palestine must be free. Meaning there must be, not be a single Jew left in the promised land. I desecrated my own possession, and I gave them over to you. But you showed them no mercy. You made your yoke very heavy, even upon the aged. So there's such a despising of these people. It doesn't matter, even the young, the babies, the old, once, you, once, you know, once they know you're Jewish, they are programmed to destroy, you, even upon the age you didn't have. You said... 
I will be mistress forever. So this is this Babylonian nation just being so like, I'm just going to be this queen, this glory forever. I will be mistress forever. So you didn't consider these things or think about the consequences. You could never imagine that your kingdom was going to come down, which furiously struck down. So this back to Isaiah 14, verse 8 now. Let's just go back to... Um, Sorry, I just I missed a, a couple of verses here. Let me just get this back up. We are at Isaiah 14, verse 5, and then I came back, and I missed a couple. I see what happened. Oh, yeah, it's right there. But why didn't it pick up verse 6? So we are at Isaiah 14, 5. We did 10, 5, and then 14, 6. Okay, yes, I... I <laughs> everything's fine it's eyes it looked like verse eight it's actually verse six my eyes okay very very good all right so um yeah so verse five Jehovah has broken the staff the rod of the wicked so this is really the Assyrian who's controlling Babylon uh the scepter of rulers and then we're going to come back down now to verse six which furiously struck so this rod furiously struck down peoples with unceasing blows this, to me, describes Islam perfectly. Angrily beating down nations with relentless persecution. There's no mercy in this. Once Allah tells you, destroy, there's, there's no mercy. The whole earth is at rest and quiet. So something has changed. And now this Sabbath rest comes upon the earth. They break into song. So what is this song? Isaiah 49. Sing heavens. Rejoice earth. Break out into song, you mountains, for Jehovah is comforting his people. This is the agenda. We, we have to be crystal clear about this. This is the agenda. God, God has a zeal. He's very zealous to pull this off. And his whole plan, and he's watching very carefully, and everything is orchestrated. We have to be conformed to the mind of Christ and understand what his counsel, which he established anciently, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, that which is not yet done, saying, my plans will stand. My counsel will stand. I, this is what I've declared. And this is his zeal. This is what he wants to pull off. And so as we get into scriptures and conform to Christ, this is our excitement. This is, this is what we, we are like, yeah, do your worst. This is what's going to happen. So now the whole earth can sing. Why? Because God is comforting his people, his covenant people having mercy on his own who have suffered. And again, this is not the church. Although the church will get caught up in this, this, this is the physical descendants of Judah and Israel. And then in Isaiah 25, this is again the rejoicing of the whole earth. On this mountain, Yehovah Zavuot, the God of armies, will make for all peoples a feast. This is a party time. It's celebration. God has done it. The zeal of the Lord has accomplished this. So now it's time to celebrate and party. It's going to be a feast of rich foods and superb wines, delicious, rich food and superb, elegant wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the veil which covers the face of all peoples, the veil enshrouding all the nations. So this work of the devil, which is deception, it ends here. And this, this veil of deception that caused all the nations to just hate the Jews with a pathological hatred, they don't even know why. They just, they, just, they just get swept up in this pathological hatred. God is going to lift the veil. And that's why they're going to realize the wrong they've done. 
And from all over the world, they're going to be so sorry, and they're going to be bringing the children of Judah back to the promised land and doing all they can to make right because this veil. And that means that Satan will be taken away. He will swallow up death forever. Adonai Elohim will wipe away the tears from every face. We know the Revelation, John sees this. And he will remove all from all the earth the disgrace his people suffer. So get ready. We're heading into it now. The Jews are going to suffer the worst disgrace on the earth. And then God, Jesus Christ is going to return, and he's going to remove that. Why? Because Jehovah has spoken, declaring the, from, declaring the end from the beginning. This is, this, is all, this has all been spoken for. On that day, they will say, see, this is what the Jews will say. This is our God. So all the nations are coming to this party, this celebration, the glory is over Jerusalem, Jesus Christ is here, and the Jews will say, Jesus Christ is our God. We waited for him. They knew the Messiah was coming. We waited for him to save us. This is Messiah. This is Jehovah. We put our hope in him. We, we are full of joy and so glad he saved us. And this is uh, the sermon that I gave uh, past Sabbath, a couple of Sabbaths ago, Mighty to Save, especially part two. That's what this was all about. There are multiple salvations spoken of in the scriptures. And this is that, that second exodus that mighty salvation, the zeal of the Lord is going to, this is, this is the main mission. So the first fruits, we're being recruited to help him pull this off. This is a big, big operation, so big that the first exodus will never be spoken of again. This will be the talk of the town. So the Jews now are full of joy, and they're so glad he saved us, which is what Christ said. Okay, you will not see me again until you shall say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so finally this remnant gets it, and they come to this realization. For on this mountain the hand of Yehovah will rest. But Moab, Muslim nation, will be trampled down where they are, like straw trampled into a pile of manure. This is what God thinks of the Koran. This is what God thinks of Islam. And this is what I think of Islam. And hopefully this is what you think of Islam. And we're not getting caught up with Black Lives Matter and Brown Lives Matter and Palestinian Lives Matter because all of that is anti-Christic. What we are getting caught up is the zeal of the Lord. And then this text that has been the, the code, sort of the software code being installed in the minds of normal humans that, that codes them to have a pathological hatred. And, 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 and they're born in this area. And they get programmed with this, this code. And God says they're going to be trampled down where they are. Judah will be glorified. And, and so before Christ comes, Islam will be prominent. And, and great power and glory. And Judah will be just nothing. Despicable. Despised. But when God turn, comes, it's going to be reversed. And Moab, Muslim country, will be trampled down where they are like straw trampled into a pile of manure. The cypresses rejoice over you with the cedars of Lebanon. Now that you are laid low, no one comes to cut us down. So now that Babylon is laid low, this persecution, now that the Assyrian is struck down, this persecution has stopped. And even the, 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 the trees are rejoicing. The whole earth is rejoicing over what God, this mighty salvation in Judah. Back to Isaiah 14. Sheol, 
below is stirred up to meet you when you come. It awakens for you the ghosts of the dead who were leaders on earth. So there's a cohort that was just ruling the earth. It makes all the kings of the nations arise from their thrones. They all greet you with these words. Look at this. This is, this is like everybody is stunned. Now, you who were in such great prominence and glory, now you are as weak as we are. You've become like us. How did this happen? You were so glorious. Your power seemed like it would never end. We all looked up to you. We, we, who will make war with the beast? And now look at you. You're just like one of us. Here it is again. Your pride has been brought down to Sheol. You were just, this religion of yours, this ideology of yours, it was just based on pride. And you could not, you could have no end of your glory. And now your, your pride has been brought down to Sheol with the music of your leers. Under you, a mattress of maggots. Over you, a blanket of worms. Uh, <laughs> it can be very, 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 very poetic. Imagine that. All of your... Um, you know, your calls to prayer and your reading of the Quran just sounds so musical. And, and now look at you. Now look at you. Now, all of this, now we come to verse 12, which I, it's a very familiar verse. We quote it all the time. I don't think I've ever read Isaiah from chapter 1, verse 1 to fourteen twelve, so that I understand this verse in context. I've just like, Heard it preached, and I myself would preach. Just go in, start at verse 12, finish at verse 14. That's all we need to know. This is uh, Satan fall. It's a, it becomes a doctrinal uh, proof text. So we use it, we use Isaiah to prove our text, to prove our point. Okay, Satan is a, is a, a, the, a great angel, archangel. He was high up in heaven. He served God and he was struck down. And, and that's, but this is saying something very specific. This is speaking specifically, very specifically, of the salvation of the Jews. Well, first of their tribulation, and then of their salvation. And it is pointing all of this to the Antichrist who is in power at the end time, the Assyrian, ruling over Babylon and just being ruthless in the glory of Babylon and just full of pride. That now what we're coming to understand as we read verse 12 is that Assyrian is the incarnation of the devil doing the devil's work. And the devil's work is to destroy Judah. That's why, again, I say caution, caution, caution. Be careful what Marxist movements you get caught up in, where you're now supporting the Palestinian lives matter, brown lives matter, Islamic lives matter, but Jewish lives don't matter. And so you're all for the destruction of the Jews. What we're reading here now, when we read it in context, is that that agenda to destroy the Jews is a satanic agenda. But just as God works in the earth by incarnating himself in flesh and coming in flesh and walking the earth to advance his plan, Satan wants to be like the Most High. He incarnates himself in flesh. And so this, uh, the focus has been on this leader, the Assyrian, the leader of the, all this empire who had no end to pride who we now see was being incarnated by the devil. And so now it's speaking of the devil, but it's really speaking of a man.
And you'll see this very, very clearly as we read on. And it's speaking of a man who was um, possessed by the agenda to destroy the Jews. And so this is all about the exposure of where does this agenda to destroy the Jews come from? How are you, uh, sorry, let me read it in the complete Jewish Bible. How did you come to fall from the heavens, morning star, son of the dawn? How did you come to be cut to the ground, conqueror of nations? So this is who can make war with him. This is the global power that has just been able to bring all these nations through force under his purview and under his control. Now, we know this is speaking of Satan because Christ himself said, uh, Luke 10, verse 18, Yeshua said unto them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So very clearly, this is speaking of the devil. But in context, it's speaking of a human being. A human being with an agenda to destroy the Jews. He goes on. You thought to yourself, I will scale the heavens. I will raise my throne above God's stars or above his angels. I will sit on the mount of, the assemb of assembly far away in the north. He just had no... Great, no limit to his imagination as to how high he was going to be. I will rise past the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And uh, I think it's this word, ascend. The, the word is Allah. I will Allah myself. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing, you know, the Hebrew word for violence is Hamas. And the Hebrew word for ascending is Allah. So these, these clues are here. So he says... Um, I will rise past the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And it's not that, you know, there's going to be the most, there's going to be like two most highs. There's going to be the most high and I'm going to make myself like the most high. So there's going to be two of us. No, he's saying, I will be the most high. So I'm going to replace the most high. That, that's his agenda. So this is clearly Satan. But we're, what we're going to see here is it's clearly speaking of a man. So Satan is incarnate in the man. So that's what you said to yourself. Instead, you are brought down to the grave, to the uttermost depths of the pit. This, this is what's happened to you. You're, you. So God says, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, that which is not yet done, saying, my plan will stand. Satan had a plan. It just it didn't, it didn't work out. I'm going to be the most high. You're down in the pit. So... This is a human being that's going to be in the pit, but Satan himself is going to be in the abyss. But we'll see that this is speaking of the incarnation of Satan. Here, those who see you will stare at you, reflecting on what has become of you. You were so glorious in the earth. You were the top. All nations were worshiping you. And then this. Is this the ish? Hebrew for man, this is not, it's not speaking of an angel. The people are staring at this being and they can't believe his fate. He was in splendor. He was in glory. All nations, who can make war with him? He was a human being, but he was the incarnation of the devil. And now he's been brought down and people are looking at him and saying, is this the man? They're not saying, is this the angel? They're not looking at the devil. They're looking at a human being. 
And they're saying, is this the human being who shook the earth, who made kingdoms tremble? And this, this ideology, that this, this lines of code that get in their head that they must conquer and be absolute control over everybody. Now he's dead and people are stunned. This is, maybe he's naked. And they're just looking at this little man and they're saying, but you know, you look at Hitler, let's say, for example, when he was possessed and when he spoke and he just shook nations and, you know, he could just move millions of people. And there was this power that was exuding from him and people could feel it. You're in the presence of some kind of supernatural energy. Well, this incarnation of the devil has this energy. And now he's dead. He's naked. He's looking at is, is this the man? Is this, is this the man who shook the earth? Who made kingdoms tremble? Who made the world a desert? Who destroyed its cities? Who would not set its, his prisoners free? These, specifically his Jewish prisoners. All other kings of the nations, all of them, lie in glory, each in his tomb. So, so these kings, when they die, they get this fancy burial and they're in the tomb. But this beast, who is the most powerful human as the incarnation of Satan on the earth, but you are discarded, unburied. You're just kind of thrown on the earth naked, uh, like a loathed branch, clothed like the slain who were pierced by the sword, then fall to the stones inside a pit like a corpse to be trampled underfoot, like people just cannot reconcile this. The brain can't process this. How does somebody so mighty, so powerful, so glorious end up like this? And, and how, how is it that this thing did all of this damage? It's just the brain can't quite process it. You will not be joined with those kings in the grave because you destroyed your own land. And again, this, this describes Islam perfectly. You destroyed your own land. You have brought death to your own people. We're seeing this right, right now in Gaza, where, you know, they, these people are you know, trying to bomb Israel and, and, and Jerusalem and Gaza. All these Jews are trying to destroy them. And, and they're ruthless. They have no mercy on anybody, even the aged. They don't care. When the Jews retaliate, they hit precision targets, and they warn the people. They give them notice. Tomorrow, at this time, we are, we, we are going to be bombing this building because we know it's a, it's a center of operations, and we're going to be taking it out. So you need to leave. You need to leave. You need to leave. Then, on the morning, they'll drop a dud just to say, we're not kidding. We're really going to drop this bomb here. You've got three hours to evacuate. They do everything they can to make sure civilians are not hurt. Now. When the people try to evacuate, what happens? Hamas stands there with guns, with rifles, saying, if you leave this building, we will kill you. And they do. They kill their own people. And so the people have to stay inside, and then the Israelis finally drop a bomb, and then they cry out, oh, the Israelis are killing women and children. No, you're killing your own people because you don't care about humanity, because you've been programmed to just be just destructive. So... This is Islam at its height, that all these people who devote themselves to Islam, it just turns on them, it destroys them. Islam eats its own, because you destroyed your own land, and you have brought death to your own people. You see that with ISIS, you see it with Hamas. The descendants of evildoers will be utterly forgotten, 
get ready to slaughter his sons for the iniquity of their fathers, so they won't arise, take over the earth, and cover the world with their cities. That was their plan. Sorry. It ends when Christ returns. God himself says, this is Christ talking, I will arise against them, says Yehovah Zavuot. I will cut off Babylon, name and remnant. This, this, this is clearly end time. I will completely remove any trace from Babylon on the earth. Going all the way back to Genesis 10 and 11, that it, it, all the way through Revelation, it is Babylon, Babylon, Babylon. That's the system that has infected the whole earth. That's the virus that has infected the whole earth. In the future, the Jerusalem code is what's going to cover the whole earth. I will cut off Babylon, name and remnant, offshoot and offspring, says Jehovah. I will make it a haunt for hedgehogs. So this just, it's just going to be a wilderness. It will become a swampy waste. I will sweep it with the broom of destruction, says Jehovah Zavuot. He's serious. He keeps, this is what I'm saying. Do you get it? This is my agenda. This is my zeal. This is what I'm going to pull off. And we as Christians who are conforming to the mind of Christ, we have to understand this. We have to be all about this. This is in black and white. We can't be like, oh, I don't, I don't, I skip over this. I just know that Jesus, this, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And he doesn't just love me. He loves everybody, even sons of Belial. We can put wings on them because Jesus just loves everybody. That's not this Jesus. We need to understand this Jesus. And we need to know what this Jesus, this Yeshua, what is his agenda? What is he about? And we need to be ready. We need to love his appearing. When he appears, we're right in step because we understand exactly what he's doing. And we understand exactly how to interpret the world. And we understand exactly how cursed the current administration in the U.S. is, how cursed they are for funding these Babylonian children so that to enable them to destroy the sons of Abraham, giving billions of dollars to Iran just as they were about to fail as a nation, to bring them back to life so that what? They can fund the destruction of Judah and funding Hamas so they can destroy Judah. And all, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, you know what? I just have to write out my paycheck to Black Lives Matter so they can go to this administration, so I can put this administration in power so that they can curse the Jews. Uh-oh, I just brought a curse upon myself. Now that I understand what God is about and what he's doing, I, I, I just, I'm cursed. I've got to repent. We've got to repent now. We cannot repent fast enough. Yes, the Jews are evil. Don't, that's not an argument. That's a fact. Another fact, a more important fact, they are the covenant people. God is in covenant with him and God is faithful. And this is what he's going to pull off. And these people who have destroyed his people, it's not going to be good. Now, this whole Babylonia, we, we read it in Zechariah 5 in, uh, when we looked at Mighty to Save, that who, this, this um, Assyrian that's in power Babylon is the center. Babylon is where they get their power and their control and their authorization. And so in the end time, we know that whoever's in power, 
it's going to all come back to Babylon. He said, just talking about this thing that he sees in, in, in this vision in, in, in Zechariah, what is this? He says, this is evil. This is pure evil. There is evil in the land. There is evil in the earth. When you see what this current administration in America is enabling for it to happen to children, to babies, to women, at an, at an industrial scale. Oh boy, I want not, uh, <laughs> that's why I don't vote. I got nothing to do with these people. These people are cursed and they are evil. And this evil is just part of this Babylonian system that's all around the earth. And it is working very hard now to bring down America because America is the, the great obstacle to its agenda. So that's what, that's what we're witnessing now, the complete collapse of America. And, and what have they poured into? They poured $9 trillion into the economy. Nine trillion with a T. So people are like, oh, wow, the economy is doing really well. Yeah, you just print nine trillion dollars and give it to people and they're not working and they can just go and spend it. Yeah, the economy is doing well. What happens when that money runs out and nobody's working and nobody's creating real value? We're, we're heading into a, an economic collapse, the likes of which the world has never seen. And most people are oblivious. And this administration is cursed. They don't care about people. They do not care about human beings. And, and they are out to destroy the, the level of destruction and damage that is coming upon people. Unbelievable. But more specifically, the level of destruction and damage that they are, are enabling to come upon Judah. It's, oh boy, and Jerusalem. So this evil, it's, it's identified in the end time by Zechariah. He says, this is evil. And he threw her down into the ephah and pressed the lead weight over its opening. And then in verse 10, and I asked the angel speaking with me, where are they taking the ephah? They said, this, this is evil. Put it in here, pack it in. And now, the, now they're taking it somewhere. So it's leaving one land and it's going to another. And Zechariah says, excuse me, where are they taking the ephah? And he answered me, to build it a shrine in the land of Shinar. This is Babylon. This is, we'll go right back to where it all began in Genesis 10 and 11. So this, this evil, it's packaged, and then the angels take it from wherever land it's in, and they take it to Babylon, back to the, the origin of all of this Babylonian system that has covered the whole earth, to build it as, so there's going to be some kind of palace in Babylon, and this is going to be taken back there. When it's ready, the ephah will be set down there on its base. It will be set down there on its Genesis 10 and 11 base. This is, this is exactly what was built by, by the, the Assyrian. Now, Malachi says, this is just to show the utter destruction of these people. These people who are, the, the Arab will no longer do this. Edom says, we are beaten down now, but we will come back and rebuild the ruins. <laughs> I don't think so. Islam is dead. When Christ returns, it will never return. He says, Adonai Zavuot, or so, sorry, Yehovah Zavuot answers, they can build, but I personally will demolish. I will personally see to it that this never raises its ugly head again. They will be called the land of wickedness, the people whom Yehovah is permanently angry. You will see it and say, Yehovah is great even beyond the borders of Israel. So, so Israel will be glorified throughout the whole earth. Let's just wrap up with um, the tail end of Isaiah. 
Yehovah Zavot has sworn, just as I thought it, it will occur. Just as I planned it, so it will be. So we, we have to be very familiar. What's, what's the plan of God? What is his ancient counsel? Because nobody can reverse it. And Moses laid it down for us. And God is now saying, you know what? Exactly as I thought it, that's how it's going to happen. The way I planned it, that's exactly the way it's going to be. Unlike these false gods who say, oh, it's going to be this way and it's this way. And the, the king himself is just thrown down like nothing. And everybody's like stunned. He had such great plans. Look at him now. This is not the way God rolls. He says, Yehovah Zavot has sworn. And he keeps repeating his name. He really wants us to know who he is. Just as I thought it will occur, just as I planned it, so it will be. I Listen to this. This is how we understand there's this, this convergence of the Assyrian and Babylon in the end time. And it looks like the Assyrian is in the prim primacy, has the hegemony, and has taken over uh, Babylon underneath his authority. God says, I will break the Assyrian in my land. So the Assyrian will be in his land, the abomination that makes desolate. He's the one that's the author of it. And God says, I will break him there. So I'm using him. He's the rod of my anger, but then I'm going to break him in my land. I will, and in my land, they're going to be claiming it's their land. It's my land. And I've given it to my people. I will trample him down on my mountains. Then his yoke will fall off them. His burden be removed from their shoulders, mighty to save. In Micah, he says, they will shepherd the land of Assyria uh, with the sword. I'll just read it in the King James. And they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod in the entrances thereof. So when, when um, Zechariah says it's going back to its base, well, its base is Nimrod. This whole Babylonian system is Nimrod. And that, that's this whole Islamic empire is built upon Nimrod, Nimrodic ideology. And so the Assyrian has this ideology. It's going back to the base, the land of Nimrod, in the entrances thereof. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrians. So the salvation in the end time is from the Assyrian, Muslim nation. When he comes into our land, that this is who's coming in to make the, 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 the abomination that makes desolate. When he comes into our land, when he treads within our borders, your hand shall be lifted up upon your adversaries and all your enemies shall be cut off. So, so God is going to crush the Assyrian. He will use the Assyrian as the rod of his anger, but then he will crush the Assyrian in his land. Back to, I'll uh, go back to the um, complete Jewish Bible. This is the program planned for all the earth. So the whole earth is going to get swept up in this. And that's why we have to have eyes. We need to be looking and studying and watching and understanding what the agenda is and not getting swept up in it. He says, this is the program planned for all the earth. This is the hand stretched out over all the nations. So God, is, his hand is stretched out still. This is his mercy. Yehovah Zavuot has made his decision. Who is there that can, that can stop him? Nobody. That's what makes him God. And he has a plan. And we understand it now. He has stretched out his hand. Who can turn it back? His hand is stretched out still. This is clearly the hand of mercy. In the year that King Ahaz died, this prophecy came. So this is when, Mas when Isaiah received the prophecy. <clears throat> Listen to this. This is end-time prophecy. 
This is end time prophecy. Let's look at what's happening right now, what this current administration has allowed. It's open season on Judah <clears throat> by the Palestinians. Do not rejoice, O Palestine, O Palestina, any of you, that the rod which struck you is broken. So, so there was a fight, and they were trying to bring down the Palestinians, but they failed. But don't rejoice in that, you Palestinians. You've got to understand the plan of God. For out of the snake's root will come a viper. So, so there's more to come. Our, our failure is not the end of the story. And his offspring will be a flying, fiery serpent. So, so God is coming to, um, um, think Zechariah 12, God is coming to, re to deliver Judah and to empower Judah. So you Palestinians, when you see Judah fail, when you see what we call the nation of Israel fail today, so all the nations are going to support you, uh, eventually Israel will fail. Don't rejoice. That's not the end of the story. While the firstborn of the poor graze and the needy lie down in safety, I will kill off your root with famine and slaughter the rest of you. So Judah will be saved. And there will be yet young children singing in the streets of Jerusalem. So when you see the, the Jews fail, when you see the nation that we call Israel collapse, you Palestinians, you have nothing to rejoice over because you haven't heard the end of the story. He is mighty to save, and he is coming to save his covenant people and to destroy you. So when Christ returns, the Gentiles mourn. All the tribes of the earth mourn. They have no idea what they're doing and what they're getting caught up into. While the firstborn of the poor graze and the needy lie down in safety, so God will see to it that a remnant is saved, Satan's agenda is to completely destroy these people so that God cannot fulfill his promises. But God says, I, I declared this already. It's going to happen the way I say it. Then I will kill off your root with famine and slaughter the rest of you. Howl, gate, cry, city. Melt away, you Palestinians, you Muslim Palestinians who are trying to destroy every Jew from the river to the sea. Palestine must be free. That's not the end of the story. Howl, cry, melt away, Palestinian, all of you. For a smoke is coming from the north, with not a stagger in its ranks. And what is one to answer the messengers of the nation? That Yehovah founded Zion. This, this city we call Jerusalem. Do you realize, yeah, you make these claims, I know, uh, what is it that uh, Muhammad got on this horse-type creature, horse-donkey creature that's white, and then flew miraculously in a single night from Medina to Jerusalem. And then from there, he ascended up to the heavens. And uh, I think in the second heaven, he met Jesus. And then in the third, Abraham. And then, you know, Jesus is just this kind of guy that's somewhere in heaven. And then he finally went up and spoke with Allah. And then he came back down and on this same donkey horse, white horse with wings, flew back to Medina. And that's the claim that the Palestinians have over Jerusalem. Like, really? Do you realize that the creator of the earth founded Zion? And all these promises that we read in scripture about Zion, not a single one will fail. So Palestinians need to come to understand with all of their violence and, and the success that they're going to have, that 
Yehovah founded Zion. And there, the poor of his people will find refuge. He's coming to save the meek and the poor. And there's a remnant that's going to be washed coming through this. So let's just end with uh, Psalm 95. We've been studying the Psalms. And after we finish First Isaiah, we will go back to finish the Psalms. But the Psalms are giving us sort of the, the personal experience through all of this turmoil and through the salvation. So we end here with Psalm 95 and verse 1. Oh, come, let's sing to Jehovah. Let's shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. These are the Jewish people. This is what they'll be singing as they come through this tribulation and this remnant is saved. Let's come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout for joy to him with songs of praise. And they will be commanded to sing praises. And it's going to be beautiful music. And just as the, the Muslims will no longer be programmed by the Quran, the Jews will no longer be programmed by the Talmud. Everybody now will be programmed by Torah. For, for Jehovah is a great God, a great king, greater than all these, these Elohim. He holds the depths of the earth in his hands. The mountain peaks too belong to him. The sea is his, he made it. And his hand shapes the dry land. Come. This is the Jews. The Christ says, you will not see me again until you shall say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come, let's bow down and worship. These are Jews acknowledging Jesus Christ. Come, let's bow down and worship. Let's kneel before Jehovah who made us. So, brethren, we are in for some very, very difficult times ahead. Um, you know, we just had to get rid of the previous administrator, number 45, as much as he devoted himself to try to make it make America good for all Americans, and ultimately that would be good for the whole earth, including us Canadians. But we had to get rid of him, uh, so we just didn't like his tweets. Now, I'll tell you, I have no qualms in saying this evil, this administration is evil. The things they are doing and allowing to happen, and what, what, what is about to happen to America and to Judah, it's cursed. And let us watch Jerusalem, brethren. These are God's covenant people. Let's pray for Jerusalem. Let's make sure we understand the counsel of the Lord and that we're aligned with it. And we understand our part in this great plan of salvation. Jesus Christ is truly great. And he's truly mighty to save, brethren. So that is it for uh, Isaiah 14. Hopefully, brethren, you found that uh, edifying. And so, God willing, we'll continue next week with Isaiah 15. God bless you. Jesus Christ is Lord.